0: Hi guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Heidi. And welcome to another episode of Betty Squared. Today we are looking at Chapter 71, How to Get Away with Murder. Now, before we get into that and I talk about what I found on IMDb and everything like that, I want to start with a corrections corner. So I use this really great app on my phone called TV Time. You basically program... um, all the TV shows that you watch into your phone, and it tells you, you know, how many episodes are left and um, what days they're going to air, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For whatever reason, when I checked a couple of weeks back, it only had 14 episodes of this season, with this episode that we're about to talk about, Chapter 71, as the appearing to be the finale so Heidi and I when we've been talking in the last few episodes of Betty Squared were under the impression that this was the finale for season four it's actually not uh TV Time have updated their app and there is one two three four five more episodes uh before the actual finale. And again, if TV time is correct, it looks like we've got chapter 72 and 73 in regular progression. Then they're taking a break for a couple of weeks and they're coming back with chapter 74, 75, and the finale being chapter uh, 76. So my apologies if everyone was watching these episodes being like how are they going to wrap this all up which is what Heidi and I have been saying for weeks now uh surprise it wasn't the finale there's still a uh, at least five episodes to go so my bad
1: <laughs> I mean that's good news because like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna skirt around like the bush or whatever the phrase is I don't even know I can't even think of it at the moment I didn't enjoy this episode that we're about to talk about so I'm really glad that it's not the last and not second to last that we've got some ways to go because like man rough
0: (laughs) yeah exactly I also didn't love this episode um as you guys know if you've listened to the last few weeks I've been in Australia I'm now obviously back in the United States but fighting jet lag and my schedule. I literally got off the plane at 7 p.m. on a Friday night. On Saturday morning, I was on a red eye at 5 a.m. uh, to fly to New York uh, for work. So my schedule has been insane. And to watch this episode, I didn't get to watch it live because I was working and I was jet lagged. I had to watch it over four days And it's funny because my very last note about this episode is I actually missed the ending of this episode and didn't even realize. So every morning when I woke up and got ready for work, I watched, you know, 20 minutes of the episode. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool, it's finished. And just went on my way. And then Heidi and I set a date to record Betty Squared. And I was like, oh, look, I'll rewatch it and write down some notes. And Turns out, not only did I end the episode, like end watching the episode uh, about 20 minutes before, it actually made me think completely differently about the episode in general, having now caught the end of it. But I I blame that negligence on uh, jet lag and me trying to get back into the swing of things after a really long vacation.
1: Yeah, that's a tough uh, transition and I can't imagine the jet lag from Australia. So I think you get a pass.
0: Thank you. But it was really funny. I was watching um, this episode of Riverdale on my lunch break at work. And the part that I thought it ended at was with Betty and FP in the morgue identifying Jughead's body. And I was like, oh God, now I'm going to have to wait another week to find out what the hell's going on, blah, 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 blah. So when I was re-watching this episode at work on my lunch break and I saw that the episode continued past that point, I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. I get a whole new second part of, of this episode of Riverdale. But unfortunately it didn't really, like, it It helped form my opinion on this episode But it didn't really make it more of a positive thing. In fact, when I went to do the second rewatch, I was like, eh, I don't really want to watch this, but okay. But I'm glad I did, simply because I missed the end of the episode the first time through without even realizing. So thank you for giving me that pass. I appreciate it.
1: You are so welcome. And I'll say right now, I did not watch this a second time because I did not want to. (laughs) So I suck.
0: no, you don't suck at all. I mean, I had a similar feeling. I initially thought I didn't want to watch it a second time because I was just so you know jet lagged and dealing with everything that was going on. And I was like, oh, I don't need to watch it again. I I already got it, even though I was delirious. But because I was delirious is why I did watch it again. But yeah, it was something I, I kept getting myself really distracted. But anyway, let's just dive into it and perhaps the reasons why we feel this way uh, will will come up during our discussion. But like I always do, I did look up to see if there was a film of the same name of this episode, How to Get Away with Murder, which obviously if you were a fan of the television series before it ended uh, like I was, you would know it was a television series starring Viola Davis, and it was about a group of ambitious law students and their brilliant criminal defense professor who become involved in a twisted murder plot that promises to change the course of their lives. So very much evident to this episode of Riverdale, or relevant, I should say, to this episode of Riverdale. You know, there's uh, they're not law students, but they're students, and they're very much twisted up in what is continuing to be a really confusing and frustrated storyline
1: yeah and there's even just those uh looking at like aesthetic sort of similarities there's the shots of them in the woods uh which is also a thing that happens in the first episode of how to get away with murder and just some other similar sort of shots and things like that that i noticed in it as well
0: yeah and i was excited for this episode title because I did think it was the finale because I thought, look, how to get away with murder. All of the signs are pointing towards Betty being the culprit, but the um, the Stonies having something to do with it too. So I was like, oh, this is a great title to wrap up the end of the season because it's going to show how somebody gets away with this. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, Jakehead just can't be dead though so it raised more questions for me this episode
1: oh for sure and I could definitely that they were like because they were showing us uh clips that we've seen before right like them covered in blood at the bonfire burning their clothes and stuff like that and Betty at the morgue with FP and and all that stuff they're kind of scenes we've already seen and showing the context of them now in this uh present that used to be the future um, but even then, I still had questions. Why were they covered in blood when they were all like almost naked in the woods? Why was there so much blood on them? It makes sense that there was blood on Betty, but there's blood on the rest of them too. That doesn't really make sense to me.
0: And as we delve deeper into this episode, I'll bring up some issues that happened for me too, because I had some similar things. But my first note, if we're going to look at this episode in chronological order... Is Jughead's opening narration, or his opening line from the narration, uh, is "Well, it finally happened—the moment we have all been waiting for." I love that because we have been—you and I—are like, "What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on?" And finally, we get some resolution that you know we've we've caught up in time, so we're now at this point where. Betty has this rock and they're all in their underwear, you know, burning their clothes, etc, etc, etc. But yeah, so many questions and so much frustration.
1: Yeah, definitely. The why were they covered in blood is my first question and is my first note of this episode too. So I've I've got everything in chronological order as well. But yeah, I I don't know. It, it it's interesting cuz we are finally here. It, it's just like you said, like we've been waiting for this moment and we're finally here, but none of this episode felt gratifying to me. So, I we're going to have to see how it goes. I'm wondering if maybe this episode will feel better when everything kind of comes to light, but as it is right now, I was I was more frustrated than anything.
0: Well, for me, I keep going. Yeah, but when are they going to show Jughead's alive? Yeah, but when are they going to show that he's not really dead? Okay, but where did they put his body so if we look at like the facts of this episode or the facts of this story betty has been found holding this rock in her hand and jughead is is dead in front of her they burn all their clothes they burn his beanie but where did they put him
1: well we we at least see where they put him at the end. Maybe that was the place they originally put him, or they put him there at the end to be found by FP. But the issue with that as well is, like, that goes against... I think one of the reasons this episode frustrated me is because everything Betty's doing feels out of character for Betty. Other than sleuthing, none of it works. She wouldn't... I just don't think... I just don't think the things that they did make sense for Betty. I don't think that the things that were done in this episode make sense for her. She's too, she's smarter than this and it's just frustrating. Like I understand maybe if she's in shock or whatever, but like even the moment where she's talking about, she's talking, I think it's to the, to the other two, to uh, Archie Veronica. And she talks about how, instead of like trying to put his brains back in his head she picked up the rock or she did something else and I was like what a way to talk about Jughead like I don't that her using that language that's awful like I can't imagine her saying that it doesn't make sense to me uh, this episode
0: <laughs> okay so again like some of my notes are why is she why is she so hell-bent on proving that the stony's is- Are behind all of this but also her boyfriend is dead she's not even no one seems to be upset um Archie doesn't seem to be upset Veronica doesn't seem to be upset but Betty even FP when you know he and Alice confront Betty and they're like you know we know you've got his phone where is that where is he where is my son you know that was meant to be FP, just in case you didn't get that. But why is no one upset? He's dead, and they're acting like they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know?
1: Yeah, it seems like the whole time everyone was... Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, I would understand if maybe they were in shock, but there were just things said. Certain lines from this episode were just so wild. Um, like that Brains one the only time where it seemed like anyone was genuinely as upset as maybe they should be was when they were in the morgue and when they reveal that it's Jughead underneath the, the sheet um, and Betty and FP seem uh, really upset, but yeah, and nobody had the, and the, of course, you know, like, like we say a lot of the times and like, uh, I know they stress this in like my favorite murder and stuff like that too. You can't guess how someone's going to mourn. You can't, we can't say that this is the wrong way to do this, but it just, knowing the characters like we do doesn't feel genuine. And yeah, her Betty really obsessing over making sure that they, that they prove that it's the other people would work in another situation. If the beginning of this whole situation wasn't handled so poorly with them finding the body and, and things like that. Like, I don't know. I don't even know.
0: (laughs) And that's the thing I've got nothing to even respond to you with because there's just so much confusion and we need clarity in order to move forward with the story and who knows maybe the next episode that's coming will give us that but I don't know I'm still stuck on the fact of like why did Jughead even approach Brett last episode with that stupid bunny mask like why why are they the Riverdale kids are obviously they're the they're the protagonists of the story why are they taunting or why are they engaging with the Stonewall Prep kids like they're the antagonists of the story it it just seems like they're better than this And I'm not sure why they're being so petty. The Betty that we have known and loved for four seasons isn't this sloppy and isn't this easily flustered. And these Stonewall kids, I I don't know why them in particular get under her skin.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, I I understand to an extent why she wants, because they did do it. We we can all safely assume that, this whole thing has been because of the Stonewall kids. That that they are the ones who, if Jughead is murdered, did it. Um, because that's kind of all we can assume right now. Because we don't want to believe that it's Betty. I can't believe that it's Betty. Um, and if someone did murder Jughead, it's them. But it's, yeah, it's definitely the way she's going about it. The planting the bug in their room, letting them slip Jughead's phone into her to her jacket. That just all seemed like a rookie mistake and our girl's <laughs> technically a rookie, but she's also not, she, she's taking down a cult. So I think she can do almost anything. Um, and sure, maybe we could blame it on the fact that she's in mourning and she's in shock, but I don't know. Also, yeah, knowing as we do, uh, or at least as we assume that Jughead is not dead, because um, I don't believe that he's dead. This is also all so much harder to, to take in because I'm like but he's not dead you know and I think
0: that's the whole thing with me too I'm like he's not dead like why are we wasting time with this when are we going to see that he's still alive but I, uh, I just I don't even know I don't even know what to say it's just like I need to know what is the end game and you know why why does Betty care so much? But also, I'm sorry, I don't know about you, but when I have my, when I have my cell phone or a cell phone in my pocket, or even the pocket of my jacket, you immediately feel the weight of that. I don't know about you guys. I've got one of those really like big phones, um, not that I'm plugging Apple or anything like that, but I've got the, the you know, the Plus or the Max, the, the big screen one. And it's a heavy phone. I mean, not heavy in the sense of, like, what phones used to be when they first started coming out. But I know when what pocket this phone is in without having to feel because you feel the weight. So her letting, um, what what's that chick's name? Joan. Joan. I was like, Janet, Janice letting Joan th- put put that phone in her pocket Betty would have felt that I, I'm finding it a little hard to believe what the show is presenting at the moment I feel like they're not giving her enough credit she's far more switched on than that
1: yeah I mean yeah there's that and then y- there's also just like the time that it takes from getting to Riverdale to uh Stonewall prep and then back again, that is, you know, a strange amount of time that has changed from being very far to much closer and back and forth again. But I would assume in that time, especially it being like winter time, she would probably put her hands in her pockets. I don't know about anybody else. But when I lived in a place where it was really wintry, I would have my hands in my pockets when I was going to and from places. So it, it, I agree. It makes no sense that she didn't know that that phone was there. It makes no sense that she didn't feel it either from the weight of the phone or from putting her hands in her pockets and literally feeling it. Uh, I don't know. And what did you think of the plan of them to burn their clothes and to go home naked or, you know, un- <laughs> undressed with no clothes on? I thought that was the stupidest plan I've ever heard. Even if they're getting home super late, there's... You come home with no clothes on. That's so, sus- that's so suspicious.
0: Okay, so I think it was Alice makes a comment where she's like, "It's nearly three a.m. in the morning. Where have you been? How dare you keep me up and worried?" Okay, so I know from personal experience, I had a very strict upbringing. My um, my mom, especially, was um, the overseer of you know how I spent my 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 spare time. It, she would never like meet me at the door if I was coming in late, but she would confess to me the next day. She's like, I'm awake all night because I want to make sure you're okay. Which as a parent, of course you do. You know, my mom was probably a little bit extreme about that, but I'm sure other people can relate as well. But she never would have greeted me at the door to be like, oh my gosh, it's nearly 3am. The next day she would have been like, how are you feeling? You got in at three AM. So, in a situation like what our group, our foursome—well, no, our threesome—I guess—were uh, put in. If I was in that situation, I think I would have done the same because I would have been like, my parents or my mom is going to be asleep. So when I get home, I'll just be able to go upstairs quickly and change. No one will know the wiser. So I was kind of surprised that every single parent was awake well I mean I mean no Hermosa or however you say her name isn't a parent but she's the only one out of that situation that I'd be like okay maybe she'd be awake but I feel like Mary why is she suddenly freaking out that Archie's coming home late you know he works at the, the the um boxing place he you know sometimes he stays there for a period of time he was sleeping there why all of a sudden is she panicking that he got in so late you know I I don't know I it's not the the greatest thing and I, I still can't believe that they didn't even work out their story just in case they were caught but I think there would have been more questions had they turned up at home drenched in blood but again the blood, like, the blood from his head, oh, no, granted, that's got some of the the thinner blood vessels. So maybe he did bleed that much that they all got absolutely covered. But
1: well, I I don't know, Heidi. I'm so frustrated. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good all around. And, like, I mean, I, I had a similar experience. My mom wasn't, like, on top of me about I'm the, you know, I'm the youngest of three. So I was definitely the most uh, relaxed uh when it came to, like, curfews and stuff like that. And I was a good kid, so they trusted me. Um, and, like, but I do remember, just as a funny, uh, since this episode's such a f- fucking mess, um, here's a funny story. There was one time where I didn't even get home super late. I probably got home at, like, 12, 12.30, like, not 3 a.m. by any means, which was, like, a normal time for me to get home sometimes on the weekends. And... Just because me and my friends hung out late, we didn't do literally anything bad. <laughs> Goody two shoes, uh, me and my friends back in the day. But like, I got home at like a totally normal time. My mom didn't like sit up in a chair and wait for me, but she would have a hard time like sleeping, and she would tell me that. Um, and she would listen for when the garage opened up or when I came in through the door, and. Uh, Usually I came in through the garage and she could hear that pretty loudly and then she felt comfortable to fall asleep. But this one time I came home a little earlier than usual and I just went through the front door and I went to bed because um, I just didn't want to go through the garage for whatever reason. And I went to bed and the next morning I wake up and there's a million calls on my phone from my mom, which I didn't hear because I must have like turned it off or turned on do not disturb or something like that. And a voicemail from my mom telling me that she's afraid that I'm dead in a ditch and all that stuff. And it was just so ridiculous. And when I saw my mom in the morning, I was like, Mom, I was in bed by like 1230. I was home. And she's like, I didn't hear you come in. I was like, why didn't you just check my room? (laughs) Like, you crazy person. She freaked out for nothing when I was fine and asleep in my bed. It was ridiculous.
0: That's hilarious. Also, I love the fact that your mom <laughs> left a voicemail going, "Oh my god, are
1: you dead in a ditch?" Because if you were, <laughs> you ain't ever going to hear that that message. I think it was her trying to guilt me like if I was still out, like, "Why are you making me freak out? Why haven't you let me know you're coming home late or come home?" And I think it was her trying to guilt me, but like, yeah, if I was dead, then I'm dead, mom. Like, and you're the only one who's going to feel bad about leaving that message
0: fair enough, but I don't know. So what do you think then you would have done if you were in the situation that Betty, Archie, and Veronica were in?
1: I mean, yeah, them not having a story like together to make an excuse was a bad move. (laughs) That was just so bad. Uh, Yeah, you want to think, right, that you would be a little, little, not smarter because they're not dumb, but like, a little more on it uh especially us being both you know true crime fans and stuff you would think maybe and betty as well that girl's a murderino and i'm disappointed in her but yeah it just was full of mistakes this episode is just disappointing
0: and that makes me think that something bigger is coming but who knows
1: yeah yeah exactly uh to switch to maybe something more positive, what did you think about the reveal about uh, Mary? I, I loved it. But what did you think?
0: Same thing. Um, loved it. Totally did not see it coming. Um, I really like that direction. It was like the little thing that I always wanted but didn't know I needed.
1: Yeah, that's totally true. I love I love a happy Mary, you know, reuniting with an old girlfriend in a new way love that
0: i love that for her yeah and i just again i i love applauding uh riverdale for what they do for uh, in terms of acceptance within the lgbtq plus community um i think that you know archie's like immediate acceptance and not like oh that's weird or anything like that i just i i applaud the show for doing stuff like that because i think they that kids who perhaps, you know, haven't come out to their parents yet or parents that haven't come out to their kids yet, need that reassurance that there's nothing wrong with it. And I love that the show shows it in such a a natural, um, realistic kind of light. It's the way it should be. It should just be accepted, but it, you know, we could. We could segue on that for hours and hours, but let's not. But I I applaud the show for doing it in such a clever and non-offensive way.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's a relatable story. I had known multiple people who their parents were divorced and then their mom started dating a woman, multiple people in high school. I know that that was uh, the truth for them. So I think that's also relatable as well trying to think of other things that were oh another positive thing that I had noted was Veronica telling Hermosa that she isn't in the mood to stomach her is great I liked that line
0: I don't remember that line specifically but I don't know how do you feel about the whole Veronica and Hermosa thing like I I'm not sure how I feel about their relationship yet
1: I mean yeah they don't they don't have one. Uh, looks like they're going to try to have one for their dad, or at least a fake one for their dad. Um, but like any lodge storyline, I don't care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh God, neither do I. But have you noticed? Just the the one note that I had on the lodge storyline was: Did you notice how Hispanic Hiram was this epi- episode? How many little Spanish. Um, nuances he kind of like threw into just regular conversation
1: I mean he is definitely one to do that I feel like they bring it out in one another like the whole family and tend to do it more when they're all together for sure Uh, which I'm sure is pretty um, true to how folks who are bilingual like live their lives I'm pretty sure that's probably pretty on brand but yeah he's always full of some sort of Uh, Spanglish term?
0: Very much so. I mean, my mom's side of the family is Italian. So I'll be speaking with my nonna. And one minute we're speaking English, the next minute we're speaking Italian. Now, I am not bilingual by any means. If she speaks to me in Italian, I understand what she's saying. I can't always fully respond because I'm not fluent. I speak a very broken Italian. So I guess... I understand that. Um, I just noticed that he does that more when Hermosa is around. He doesn't tend to do that when it's just he and Veronica.
1: Yeah. Yeah, probably. And I mean, she, that makes sense. I mean, he named her sister, right? That's what Hermosa means.
0: Did I miss
1: that? Isn't that what Er Hermosa means? Let me check and then you can cut this out if it's not, but I'll double check.
0: Girl, you know I'm leaving this in even if you're wrong.
1: So rude.
0: (laughs) Well, while you're uh, researching uh, the translation of Hermosa's name, what I wanted to just point out, oh, actually, I lied. I said that the last note I had about, you know, Hiram getting very Hispanic when Hermosa's about was the last note I had on the the Lodge storyline. That was a lie. This one, this one that I'm about to read now is the last one. The fact that they haven't named Hiram's illness is actually confirmation for me that I feel like he's not truly sick because I feel like they're like, oh, he's got some neurological illness. Oh, there's this thing that's going on that he's got. They haven't really put a name to it. Now, for me, I still don't think he's sick. I still think that this is some master manipulation thing, but obviously the Jughead storyline is taking precedence at the moment. So I'm sure they'll come back to Hiram's Illness later on in the season, if not next season. But I don't know what to make of this because I'm like, on one hand, I feel like it's confirmation that he's not really sick, and then on the other hand, it could just be the show being careful about naming an illness and then having to stick to the actual facts of that illness. You know, I'm wondering whether they call it like loopy disease I don't know that was the first thing that came into my head and you know it does this this and this whereas if they really name it they can't stay like they'll get called out like what we do when we're like mm, but that's not really how it works so I feel like it's confirmation that he's not really sick but then at the same time I'm like is the show just being careful
1: yeah, I could see both of those. Uh, I agree that I'm still on the fence about him really being sick, um, and it totally makes sense to me that they don't want to like name exactly what is wrong with him because maybe they don't want to. Uh, yeah, they don't want to represent it poorly or feel inclined to stay true to what that disease is usually like. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things that it could be. Um, also, I found I found it. Um, so sister is. Hermana, Um, so that's actually the word for sister. It's similar, though, so it wasn't so off. But I looked up Hermosa, and Hermosa means beautiful woman. So, rude (laughs) that he named her that and then named Veronica Veronica.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of (laughs) rude. Okay. Well, interesting. I didn't even... How did you come to the conclusion that it could be translated into something?
1: Uh, Hermosa? Yeah. Uh, I had seen somewhere someone else talked about it. Someone, I can't remember. I think it's probably on Twitter. Someone said something about like, oh, so original, her name's sister. So we'll blame them for me getting that wrong. But it's pretty close. Um, I'm looking up Veronica now. Ooh, I like one of these meanings. One is like a plant. (laughs) So there's that. An herbaceous plant of North Temperament regions, typically with upright stems Uh, pointed leaves and spikes of blue or purple flowers or the other meaning for Veronica could be a cloth supposedly impressed with an image of Jesus's face so that's interesting
0: a cloth with Jesus's face like like that shroud of oh god now I'm a bad Christian the shroud of something or other let's call it the shroud of Jesus and I've probably just offended everybody in our audience but that you know what I'm talking about that shroud
1: uh, no, I wasn't really raised uh, in a religion at all, but I'll take your word for it.
0: Okay, so you move on to your next note because it's my turn to Google something. I'm going to find out what this is called.
1: Okay, sounds good. Um, let me see.
0: My I am literally Googling Jesus Shroud.
1: Nice. Uh My next note is, uh, it doesn't really make sense that anyone else other than Hiram needs to sign off on his will. Like, Veronica doesn't need to be there to decide that she agrees with what her father is going to give her when he dies. That doesn't really make sense. People just leave a will and then you take what you get. Or you take nothing. (laughs) So that was stupid and made no sense.
0: Okay. Thank you for that.
1: (laughs) And that's my opinion on that.
0: (laughs) I like it. You're dotting your I's and crossing your T's. I nearly said it around the other way. I nearly said you're crossing your I's and dotting your T's. I'm tired, but I'm not jet lagged. So it's going to be okay. I am going to get through this. (laughs) Um, Okay. I looked up the Jesus shroud. It is the shroud of Turin, um, which is interesting because in my head I was like Turpin, Turin something. So, um, I knew it in the back of my mind, but it's it's quite fascinating. So um, the Shroud of Turin, also called the Turin Shroud, is a length of linen cotton bearing the negative image of a man. Some believe it's the image that depicts Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth and the fabric is the burial shroud in which he was wrapped after crucifixion. And um, if anybody is interested in this, because I think I've fallen down a rabbit hole now, re- uh, revisiting my uh my religious education as a child uh there's a really cool video where they've done a 3d um uh, copy or a 3d hologram of um who they suspect was jesus using the image from this shroud really cool wonder world is the uh the people that have put it on uh, YouTube. Anyway, side note, I know what I'm doing tonight, having a look at that. That looks really cool.
1: This is Betty Squared, where we talk about anything other than Riverdale because Riverdale is a disappointment right now. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, and you know what's funny? One of my notes is um, I love Betty's coat. (laughs) Who knew that that coat would be such a major thing?
0: Okay, so I don't even remember what the coat looks like so there you go that's the impact that it had on my life
1: it's like a it was like a tealy blue uh it was pretty also i have i have one of my notes and i don't quite remember what it is in reference to but it's it's just about charles so we can assume i was like oh god charles bad vibes bad vibes bad vibes
0: (laughs) okay so charles is still the bad guy right
1: I mean, we know that he's working or at least still in contact with Chick and Chick is a bad dude. So we can probably assume that, but we don't know for sure.
0: It just makes me kind of ick every time she goes to Charles for help. I'm like, oh God, no, please, 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 please don't, you know, say anything or do anything because yeah, you're going to the wrong person. This person is not going to help you.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. And especially that scene where she is at uh, Pops with the other three and they're like, I don't know if we should have gone to Charles. And she's like, no, Charles is exactly the person we should have gone to. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> we're going to get a flashback to that moment. It's going to be cringy.
0: I know. I mean, God, there's there's a, so many like little sub stories that we're just not going to get to while they're focusing on this Jughead storyline, which is fine. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, but... We haven't seen Chick for a little while. We're seeing, you know, a lot of Evelyn and a lot of like suggestions or hints that you know Evelyn's still involved, but we haven't. Yeah, we we haven't really seen much of Chick. We don't really know what's going on there, but I guess all in good time.
1: Yeah, and then my uh, my next note before this one that's funny um, is what the fuck, Veronica? What the fuck? She was questioning Betty and like talking to Archie about her behind her back and just totally, that also felt totally out of character for me. There's really nothing, even her excuse of like, you weren't there when she lost it with Chuck and all that stuff. I was like, that was forever ago. And also that made me so angry. I was like, what the fuck, Veronica? What the fuck?
0: Okay. But to her defense, that is a logical thing for her to think you know, so maybe she's just trying to process her feelings, and until she—I don't know—until she actually reaches the same conclusion that you and I have—that that Betty is totally innocent. She's being framed.
1: I mean, maybe that's something and a discussion she should have had with Betty in the moment, like not a day later after they've helped her cover up a murder. If you're questioning her, then do it in the moment. And it's a it's a totally valid question to ask too. Like I'm not asking her to blindly believe in Betty. That's a weird circumstance circumstance to walk into for your best friend to be standing over your other friend, her boyfriend, who's laying on the ground, dead, I guess, with his brain smashed in, and who's holding a bloody rock. Like that's the time to ask the question, not a few like a day later, a few hours later or whatever. Uh, After you've already helped her cover it up it also just doesn't make sense in that way but this episode doesn't make sense in lots of ways so there's that
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to say I can't I can't elaborate on what you've just said because you're you're literally saying it all this episode's really frustrating but that leads me to think that maybe the the one to come is going to be like a firecracker it's going to be intense and hopefully we'll work out what the Fuck is going on with all of this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I hope so. I I'm glad we have more episodes to get through this because it's it's rough right now. Um,
0: yeah, I'm really glad this wasn't the finale because I would have been pissed.
1: Yeah, no, that would not have worked. Not have worked at all. Uh, and also, I noticed we talked about it last time, but this was another super long cold open. Like, so all of that stuff we just talked about happened before the cold open. Like, everything with my notes are in order and like. That stuff with Mary happened. Like all of that stuff happened before that cold open. It was long.
0: I don't even think I realized that. I well and truly don't think I did.
1: Yeah. I have my cold open note after that scene where Veronica questions Betty and uh, not to her face, but to with Archie. And Betty going back and bugging Stonewall happens before that. Uh, Them all talking to all of their parents happened before that. The uh, scene where Mary comes out and talks about who she's dating, the will scene, all of that stuff happens before the cold open.
0: Oh, there you go. I didn't
1: realize. (laughs) And looking at my notes now, I actually have more notes before my cold open note than I do for the rest of the episode. So there's that too.
0: Wow. There you go. Indeed. Okay. Well, for whatever reason, I totally missed that.
1: Oh, also, I'm sorry. I I mixed it up. Uh, Mary coming out is not before the uh, title card. It's just after it. Uh,
0: Right. I was going to say that I know came much later on in the episode. So okay.
1: But all that other stuff. Yes. Uh, My next note is uh, Evelyn looks too good to be in jail for as long as she has been.
0: (laughs) Well, we all know that uh, you're able to get your eyebrows done and they have makeup in jail that you can wear and a curling iron to make sure your hair looks pretty.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what all that's what all jails are like. I would have liked to see maybe some like sharpie eyeliner on her get really like orange the new black on us.
0: Oh, my God. I was about to say, can you imagine what Evelyn would look like with a black sharpie for eyebrows? I mean, she'd end up looking like Groucho Marx, I'm sure.
1: I mean, that'd be great. That'd be (laughs) great.
0: You know what? I think you and I need to go on Riverdale as guest directors, but we'd also need to write the episode because it would need to be as batty as this season is making you and I.
1: Yeah, we could really make a really intense episode and it would be really crazy. I could definitely see that.
0: Oh, God. I want this to happen. Let's put this out to the universe.
1: I mean, okay. (laughs) We can try. What's your next note? Well, mine is actually about
0: how far technology has come. I mean, gosh, you think about all the cell phones and things that are stolen from people. And, you know, if you've got an iPhone, you can use the Find My iPhone app and things like that. But God, in the town of Riverdale, they must have some fancy technology because to be able to track someone's cell phone to the pocket of a jacket blows my mind. Like, wow.
1: Well, I mean, I assumed that they didn't, and that it's not like that, that it's just like, it's in the house. Where is it? How could it be in the house? And so then they kind of turned the house upside down and found it that way.
0: It did not sound like that. So maybe that's just on the writing then. Cause for me as an audience member, it came across like FP pulled out his laptop, which is probably a hundred years old. I don't know why, but I've got that image of FP having this really ancient computer or laptop. And he's like, find Jughead's phone. And you know he's using his pointer fingers to type, and not the rest of his fingers because he's old. And he, the computer goes ding, and it goes. The Jughead's phone is is in Betty's pocket of her jacket. Like I just have this real like idea in my head. So that's how I literally interpreted the scene.
1: Yeah, I mean I figured it just like tracked it to the house, and then they found it in the house, but I don't know. Um, but the thing that did throw me off about that whole thing was that F.P. didn't know how to track a phone, and he's a sheriff, he's the sheriff of Riverdale, and he had to be told by his like 13-year-old daughter how to track a phone. What? Well, remember
0: that, you know, it's 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 been a while since, uh, since F.P. was a, a young guy, torturing uh Nev Campbell and trying to kill her in a ghost face mask you know times have changed he's he's a little older now and maybe he doesn't know how to use the phone but he can sure as hell track it to a fucking pocket in a jacket
1: i really hope if you're a sheriff in a small town and you're listening to this please know how to track a fucking phone it is so easy your 12 year old can do it so don't have them tell you how Learn how to fucking do it on your own. It's pathetic. <laughs> so pathetic.
0: I feel like I need a giant glass of vodka after this episode. Again, not because it's bad, not because I don't like the show. It's just frustrating. And I'm like, come on. You've dicked us around for how many episodes now? It's time for some answers. We are literally up to episode freaking 14. 14 weeks if you think of episodes in terms of weeks even though there's been some weeks in between for mid-season breaks etc etc they have dicked us around for 14 weeks and we still don't even know if a Hiram is still sick if Jughead is really dead what the fuck Charles and Chick are doing and I'm sorry not to forget my pet hate What the fuck happened to those videos that mysteriously turned up on people's doorsteps for two episodes and then disappeared off the face of the earth?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're always much kinder than I am.
0: Oh, I don't think I'm being kind at all. I think I'm being a bit of an asshole.
1: Oh Well, I was just going to say that I don't think this episode was good. (laughs) So there's that. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Man, it's rough. Uh, I will say my next note is uh, I want, I really want to like Charles. Like I wish that they didn't give us that chick reveal because I would be way more down to trust him. And that would be way more interesting to me as a viewer. If this betrayal kind of came out of nowhere, they don't really know. I feel like they don't really know how to show us the right amount as a viewer. Like we definitely should know more than the characters in general, About things, and it would be cool to just see him maybe be a little like knowing that something's kind of off, but still allowing us that room to enjoy him. I want to like him. I want for Betty to have a big brother that takes care of her. That's so cool to me. I really like that idea. And even though it's kind of gross that it's a brother that she and Jughead share. I think that's still a really interesting relationship regardless and I wish I could just like Charles and not know that he's secretly in on some sort of plot that they're not giving us any clues to and totally putting on the back burner just like all the other fucking storylines that you just talked about. It's so annoying. It just bothers me. Like if they just left out that scene with Chick then we could like Charles and I think we all totally would like Charles. He's pretended to be pretty upstanding so far and wanting to take care of this family that uh, hasn't had him in his life yet. And I just think that'd be much more interesting and gratifying as a, uh, as a viewer. And then if he ends up betraying them all because of it, I, I don't know. I think that would be more interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. I wish as well that um, they hadn't revealed that yet because I think it would have been such a massive kick in the guts uh to to have this reveal have betty and jughead well jughead yes or no we don't know what's happening with him but have betty really confide in charles and alice love on him and everything like that and then final episode you know all is revealed about Jughead and if he is or isn't dead and oh my god then we pan away and Charles is talking to Chick and they're the two of them are telling each other that they love them I think that would have been such a bigger kick to the guts than them having revealed it so early on yeah because now we know Charles is up to something so we're second guessing absolutely everything he does now he's done some really helpful things for Betty but is that to win her over or is he having a a change of 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 feelings you know we don't know because we were shown that piece of information so early that now we're just going to second guess everything he does.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it reminds me of uh, this d d show that I watch uh, for anyone else listening. If you watch Critical Role, but you aren't watching the second campaign or aren't up to date with the storyline for The Mighty Nine, you might want to skip ahead just a bit because this is a pretty big spoiler. Um, so maybe skip ahead a minute or two uh, if you are a Critical Role fan. Um, And also, hi! (laughs) What's up, Critters? Um, So in this most recent episode of Critical Role, a uh, non-player character, so a character who isn't played by one of the other actors, but it's just played by the uh, game master, by the DM, um, he became like really good friends with the group of travelers uh, that the show is about, and... At first, they weren't really sure if they could trust him. There was a really big span of time where it felt like they couldn't trust this guy um, until finally he opened up to them and they really became like friends and they were starting to become really good friends. And then the most recent episode, uh, they found out that he was actually a traitor and it was actually a, a person who had uh, started a war between the two countries that the show takes place in. And... Was this person that they had kind of been looking for this whole time and was right under their nose and was kind of manipulating them and things like that. But he still really was their friend. He was actually, he actually became really warm to them and became their friend just because they were cool people and he wanted to be their friend. And it turned into this accidental betrayal that was really interesting and also so heartbreaking and i can't help but think about that and that this show that is entirely improv and like just entirely made from these people sitting around and rolling dice has a better fucking storyline and plot than a show that's well scripted and written by many writers it's just like so infuriating (laughs) i mean that's your it's your classic
0: you know um nerdy girl and the The guy, the popular guy asks her out, but it's because of a bet. But then he realizes he truly does have feelings for her. But meanwhile, she's had to change everything about herself for him to love her. But anyway, that's, again, another segue. It's that classic story of, is the baddie going to be redeemed? And, you know, we've gone back and forward with that about the Hiram storyline. And who knows if they're going to try this with the Charles storyline. We'll just have to wait and see on that. But I only have two very short notes left. My first one is why are Brett and Donna at Donna at the morgue? Why are they there? Yeah. What purpose do they have? they they've got the fa they've got his father and his girlfriend to identify the body. They don't need to be there, so why are they there?
1: Yeah, that didn't make sense to me either, and it didn't make sense to me that they, like, busted in through the door. I kind of am sort of thinking either... Because, you know, my first initial idea of this whole thing was that Jughead had a plan, and that this was his doing. And this kind of reaffirmed it for me a little bit, that maybe this is more Jughead than these guys. Um, Because maybe they didn't actually try and kill him. Maybe he totally staged that whole thing, and made everybody believe that the other person killed them and they're both falling for it. You know what I mean? Like maybe he's the one who did this and he made it so that Brett and, uh, whoever else, uh, Donna and stuff were able to see that, uh, that he was killed quote unquote and, uh, and then have the Riverdale kids come in too and see it as well and so that both of them are trying to blame the other because they genuinely think the other one did it. But for what purpose? I have no idea. To prove that he can plan the the best murder? I, I, I literally, I don't know. But I know that he's not dead, because it doesn't make any sense.
0: It doesn't at all. Well, my final note is just, Ah, yes, the infamous, let's all scream Jughead's name at the same time scene.
1: Yeah, I I almost wrote a note about it, but I know we talked about when we saw this flash forward before, but yeah, the worst way to try and find someone who's lost in the woods is to yell their name over and over again all at once so that they can't respond to you and you can't hear them. That's like just the first thing I ever learned in Criminal Minds, (laughs) that you don't do that. You yell and then you give them a moment to respond and then you yell again.
0: Lord have mercy.
1: Uh, my last two notes, very simple. Uh, Betty's jacket in the morgue scene is so cute. I love that little bomber jacket. And then at the end, she wore Jughead's jacket and then said, the man I love, and it was very cute. Those are my last two notes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, they are very important notes. We we may as well finish our notes on a more positive note than me just being like, oh, fine, what do you rate this episode?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I figured that would help. Um, Betty in this episode would act super out of character make rookie mistakes trust her big brother when maybe she shouldn't um and just kind of like be uh, all over the place a little bit in a way that is very unbetty like you know she's going through it are you talking about what Betty would do yeah yeah wasn't I supposed to do that no you meant to rate it oh shit, you're super right. So you usually get mixed up and this time I got mixed up. It's because you're frustrated. I understand.
0: Don't worry. I'm with you. And I'm glad that we've already covered that. So <laughs> what would you rate this episode? <laughs>
1: oh, damn. Uh, so I would rate this episode, this episode gets a D minus. I hate this episode. I don't want to watch it again. I'll skip it if I ever rewatch this season, which I don't know with how the season's going so far. This not, might not be a season that I want to rewatch. So we'll see what happens.
0: Oh my God! you're so funny! Um I don't even know if I can rate this episode like it just had no purpose uh I mean, okay, if I have to pick it's like a c minus for me,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: I can't even elaborate on that c minus
1: you don't need to I think it's I think we've already said everything we can
0: okay and we've already talked about what betty would do because you were so (laughs) you said it first (laughs) i mean look let's just put it this way here's to a better episode coming up uh we've got five episodes left until the end of the season i'm sure if we're at this point now something is going to come to light sooner rather than later it has to because they're going to lose viewers otherwise
1: very true very true
0: all right well on that very frustrating and uh alcohol needing note uh, alcohol needing alcohol needing inducing I don't know I need a drink is all I'm trying to say we (laughs) will leave you uh, right now And we'll catch you next time for another episode of Betty Squared. I can't even words. Bye. Bye.